Welcome to the Mission Driven Leader, presented by TaleoConnects.com, where we explore the new, unknown, and innovative themes for work and give people the ability to show up resilient every day. Here are your hosts, former Chief Knowledge Officer of NASA, Ed Hoffman, and partner and Vice President of Portfolio Management at Taleo, Laurel Sim. Well, welcome to the Mission Driven Leader podcast. And Ed, I see that you've got this beautiful background that doesn't include anything to do with NASA. Have you changed who you are? I am. Uh, I'm in need of mental toughness, which is good because that's the session that we're talking about today. I'm between two homes. As you know, I'm moving to a new place uh, and I've left the place that we've been in raising our family for 30 years. And uh, I'm, you know, truthfully, I'm confused. I'm stressed. I don't know where I am, and I look and I see nothing behind me, and I feel uh, undressed, kind of. Well, I see you're wearing wearing a shirt, so I do appreciate that for the podcast. So thank you. I just threw that on five minutes ago, just for you. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting how uh, mental toughness shows up in the most um, unusual of places that we would think maybe it doesn't it doesn't need to be there because we're well prepared, well organized, Um, moving homes, building homes, starting new jobs, all of those things where we feel we've got the skills, we've planned it out, those types of things. But at the end of the day, you'll find that that one box that you know you need to throw out but it has too many special memories, but you don't know what to do with it. And that's where mental toughness co- comes in. It really comes into allowing you the clarity to think things through, to show up a little bit differently each and every day and make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and and, and, I, and I'm definitely not an expert in this because my mental toughness uh, usually includes um, maybe a scotch at the end of a bad work day. So. <laughs> I'm a, the wrong girl for that topic. No, you're always mentally tough. You're a provocateur. You like to shake I'm things up for other people. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, so, I do. Uh, yeah. 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 You have a big that's, advantage that's, today. That's why I put curly hair on today. and It makes me a little bit tougher, more like rigid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, and let's hop right into our guest today. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to chat with Heather. Um, Heather Nettowin is, in my opinion, and I get to have it because it's mine, uh, is a is an icon in Canada for curling. She has not only won numerous accolades nationally, um, but so has her husband in the world in curling. And most recently, their daughter of 16 won in nationals uh, just this past weekend. So, so the the opportunities are never ending with the, with with her and her family, um, including her daughter playing uh, sports down in the United States for Michigan. Uh, they've just they're just really a, a focused, committed community, not only within their family, but all of those teams that they bring together. Heather also does coaching for curling um, at the Canadian level. So, so that's why I thought this topic would be really in line with, with what she does on a regular basis, which is allows people to get out of their own heads and do the job that's at hand. And, and I do think that um, far too often, we get in our own heads, right? Like right now you're like, oh my, I feel naked, um, which I appreciate again that you're wearing a shirt. Uh, but, but you know, Ed, that's, a, that's a big deal for, for you, for when you were bring, coming, bringing people into NASA. NASA's a big, big name. Yeah. How do you make, make people just show up to what they're supposed to do? Yeah, you know, and as we get into this, it's a really good, important point because we get comfortable you and I have talked together for, for many years. We're comfortable talking to each other. We, we kind of take it maybe for granted. When people would join NASA, one of the things when you walk around NASA and office buildings, they have beautiful posters of rocket launches, of successes, of planets. Uh, you see people around the room who, you know, are the best at what they do. And so it can be very intimidating, right? And so how do you get yourself prepared for being able to be the best in whatever situation that you're in? And uh, I think all these things lead into this whole discussion of how do you prepare yourself for, uh, for the challenges that are out there. So. Absolutely. Um, so that's why, uh, that's why I think that today's topic is going to be so impactful to our, our listeners and both to Ed and I going forward. So Heather, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we, uh, 
there's so many questions that, that are burning in my head, but maybe the first part is, is if we focus just on you and how you realize mental toughness had to be part of how you performed as, a, as an athlete. Maybe we could just kind of start in that realm. Well, I thank you. Um, so my passion was many sports. Um, I grew up in a small community in northern BC, um, and it was just what I did for, for fun. I just played a ton of sports. My passion was volleyball. Um, but we had, um, we had Olympians come through our community and come to my school and show me an Olympic medal. And that just, that enlightened me. I wanted to be an Olympian. And so when, um, uh, when I went to college, um, I really hoped I would get a, a, a volleyball scholarship. And, uh, and then I had to take a self look at myself. I'm 5'7". Um, the chances of making the national team to go on, um, minimal. Um, so the sport of curling was something I turned to when I realized I want to go to the Olympics. And uh, through my journey through college, I was uh, impacted some, by some amazing coaches that opened up my door to not just the physical side of the game, but to the mental side of the game. And when I went to the university at the U of A, uh, one of uh, very strong influential uh, individuals for me was Dr. John Hogg. And he was a sports psychologist for our Olympic swimming team. And as I sat as a student in his class, I just converted everything that Olympic, you know, swimmer, swimmer, swimmer to a curler, a curler, a curler. What does a curler need to do? And to be honest, curlers at that time, we weren't really viewed as athletes. You know, we were, um, you know, on the side. So as I was training in the gym as a volleyball player, but I was a curler, They'd be like, you know, I'd be in amongst these athletes and they're like, what are you training for? And I'd be curling. They kind of go like this to me. So there was that. And then there was the adding on the, the mental training. And as I, I have to be honest, I lost. I, as a junior, I lost. I came second, third, fourth, second, third, fourth. It wasn't until my final year when I was in my final year, year of juniors that we advanced on and became provincial champions, national champions, and then world champions. Well, that is, um, that's, a, that's surprising to me, um, but I love hearing that failure created those steps in that journey of where you are today, um, because I think it's the failures that actually make us stronger, I, and, I, and, I, and I strongly believe that you become more focused inside when you do fail, um, and I'm, I must be like really focused, Ed, like, cause yeah, I'm, I'm fantastic at failing. Well, yeah. I want to come back to that. Cause I, you're, you're talking about disappointment of being second, third and fourth. I would be thrilled. I think at a certain point in time to be second or third in anything. And so I wonder about that. Um, I've been, one of the things I've, I've been watching a lot of is golf and you see these people who end up in second place and they're, they're the best at what they do, but they're, you see the frustration of not getting that, number one spot. So how is it in your mind? Do you appreciate the fact that I'm second or third of, of something that few people can do? Or is it a frustration? Or is it this notion of failure doesn't seem like the right thing? But how do you see this notion of uh, not getting the, the gold? Well, I was, I'm intrigued by the game. Um, yeah. And I and it's, for me, it was what can I learn and how can I respond and how can I get better at the next time when that situation would arise? Um, you know, I'm not going to repeat that mistake again. And so it was I'm I'm intrigued by losses. Um, you know, our Oilers just had a, a devastating loss last night. And I'm curious of how they're going to reset, respond, how are you know, and that was me all the, all the time. Like to me, I was the small town girl going against the big dogs and I was just always intrigued by it. And, you know, uh, as my children go through major losses, as my husband said, he never won an event, no juniors, no nothing until he was 27. And then when we see the success that our kids are having at this younger age, we're like, 
you got to enjoy the journey. You got to enjoy every, you know, about it. Why, you know, why do you show up to the rink? Why do you show up to the field? Why do you show up to work? You got to love it and learn from it. I, I'm really, I wanted to stop uh, and just react, Heather, to one of the things I'm asked a lot about going back to my times at NASA is how do you deal with failure? And uh, for NASA people, it's a very sensitive thing because we've, you know, the history and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's a double-edged sword. And one of the things you said is that you like to learn from when things don't go right uh, in order to get better. And I also think it's important to, what are we talking about? You know, is it a failure to end up second or third or to be one of the best at something in the world? Uh, can we use it for fuel uh, to get better? And um, so I'm just wondering your reaction of, is it failure or is it you're competing against yourself to be the best and not getting the number one spot is a way of learning to get better, a motivation to get better. And when you do get that, it's uh, it's more of an appreciation as opposed to this notion of there's success and there's failure. It seems very binary to me. So, I think it always, to me, it's how you respond either the next day or the next week. And, and for us in sport is, you know, do you lounge around in your bed and stay in your house or do you get up and respond and get back in the gym, get back onto the court, get back onto the ice? And um, are you analyzing, you know, the tapes? Are you, how do you personally respond? And, you know, I've seen um, um, individuals miss final shots in, a, in our curling world and they don't compete the next year. Mm, like they're yeah. devastated, they're down, they're out. And then I've seen like personally myself is I'm out on my, my bike and I'm like, I, instead of doing 10 K I'm doing 25 because I'm want to figure it all out as so that I get better for the next time, whether it's mentally, physically, or emotionally. And, um, so, you know, for in sport, it can be life because devastating because we lost the finals but there's always that next journey and the next game and the next opportunity especially in the sport of curling our journey it can be you know years like you know 40 50 years of uh, of this but hmm. most athletes work in the cycle of the four years with the olympics and the opportunity for to be an olympian is a very very small group um and then you know, in our world sport, we are seeing repeat champions. And I think in our, in my opinion, the top female mental toughness in our world is Jennifer Jones. When it came as the pressure increased or the games got stronger or you got later in the ends, Jen responded and it was exceptional to watch, but it was also very intriguing for me to play against her and try and bring out the best in her. Um, and we battled and we had amazing games. And sometimes I won and sometimes I lost, but it was for me entertaining. Like that's where I found it fun. And you know, not everyone finds that fun. I mean, I listened to my dad and he'd be like, how can you play that? Like it was so stressful, the cameras, this, that. And I'm like, I never even noticed them, Dad. What? There was a large crowd? Like, what? You're so into it. You're enjoying the moment. Yeah. And that sounds like the mental toughness. Uh, I've, you know, you watch as a, uh, as a fan, you see athletes who are under, they're always under immense pressure because of all the focus. Seems like some of them, they can deal with failure uh, and, and just move on the next day and just respond to it. And you see others who they they don't enjoy the event itself anymore because of the potential for failure. So this is the the mental toughness, and I'd like to hear you know the discussion. How do you build that? How do you how do you get to the point? Is there a is there a tip? Is there a way? Is there a mindset that you're able to appreciate what you're doing no matter what's happening, so that you can keep enjoying it over those forty or fifty years. And uh, same thing, I mean, yeah. yeah. When I, you know, um, I'm married to David Nedowin. He was part of the Furby Four, who had an unbelievable run um, for ch world championships in the men's side of curling. 
and uh, there's a documentary on um, on Netflix called Losers, and a part of that um, is uh, you know we have devastating losses, but how you respond and you come back to it, you know most people forget those losses, right? They're like, oh, that's such and such. He's a world champion, and they forget that they lost some devastating games and there was a pinnacle two big pinnacles in the Furby four um, where um, they lost a national championship up two and gave up like three like it was you know what how does that happen and David had an opportunity at the world an open hit simple win and he hit and rolled out and it was like what but those two shots like are just two out of hundreds or thousands that they made repeatedly. And yes, you walk away from a devastating loss and you know, it takes some time and everyone's timeline may be different, but those moments were pivotal moments to that team turning and continuing to be elite and world champions. And, and so, and, and one thing that um, perks my interest uh, when, when talking about that, Heather, is that in, in fact, we, we often people feel like they're defined by one moment or two moments. But to your earlier point about you have to participate in the journey, how do we help people to realize that you're not defined by this one moment, that it's just a chapter of which you, you get to participate? Um, what, what, what do we help people do to think a little bit differently in, in regards to those areas? I really think um, self-reflection, uh, journalism, just really taking a check-in in of yourself and, and being not so hard on us as humans, as individuals at the different stages of our lives. Um, you know, if I reflect on Heather who was 20 and Heather in her 30s and Heather in her 40s, I'm a different individual. And uh, I think Laurel Wheel and I were talking about balance. like. I I look what I could accomplish in my 20s. Well, I wasn't a mother. I didn't have, I was committed to my education. I was committed to my, you know, my journey as an athlete. But then I became committed to my journey as being a mom. And it's ever shifting. And it's actually fun for me to go back to my old journals, whether it's as an athlete or as a mom, and just reflect of all my ups and downs and ins and outs. And you know what, I'm still on the path for myself, whatever that might be, and it changes all the time. So stop being so hard on yourself, realizing where you are in your stage of life, and whether you're moving, <laughs> whether you're packing up, and you know, my daughter's packing up right now, moving to another campus with school. You know, we, um, we have different stages to which our performance um, can be. So um, one of the things that I often, when I do business coaching, um, I often say, give yourself a little bit of grace here. You know, you've been through a lot, whatever, whatever the challenge is, it's hitting you right now. Um, without question, we're always hardest on ourselves, right? Um, and so how we give ourselves a little bit of grace helps us to allow that it's just one moment and it didn't actually truly define us. Ed, do you have any um, examples in, in your life of where, you know, you forgot to give yourself a little bit of grace? Yeah, no, I, uh, I like to use the word journey a lot. And it, it wasn't something that I was conscious of, but I use it a lot to the point where, where people have mentioned that. And for me, I think I use the word because like in a movie, a movie is always filled with you have this tremendous goal that you're shooting for and you're going to fail. It's built in to the storyline. And for me, when I got to NASA at different points, I'd feel tremendous pressure. One, like, how did I get in here? I really, I thought it was somewhat of an accident of fate for me to have ended up at NASA. Uh, I got there as an organizational team psychologist working around learning and development. Uh, I can't screw in light bulbs. Uh, I don't know math. I, I didn't dream about going to. I knew I would never end up at NASA, right? And I'm at this place where people 
dreamed of it their whole lives, the engineers and the, the scientists. So at the first point, when I first got there, I was quiet. And I was deliberately quiet because I felt if I was quiet, people assume that you know something. And let's not, let's not say anything and prove them, them wrong. And I was giving a presentation very early in my career. And um, truthfully, I think the previous night, I'd been drinking a little too much. And I was a little bit, I had a headache, I wasn't feeling that great. And I just started just saying what was on my mind. And when it ended, I felt, oh, you know, you were a little bit too unstructured and you're kind of a little too, uh, you know, too, too, too blunt or something like that. You got to watch that. And I remember a woman, one of the leaders came up to me saying that was the best presentation, best session you ever gave. I said, really? And she said, yeah, I mean, you're always good. You're knowledgeable. But today you felt more honest. You didn't feel like you were holding things back. And I appreciated you just being straight about things. And I always remember that from that standpoint of people aren't looking for us to say the nice things all the time. They're looking for us to just be ourselves, to be genuine, to be authentic and to trust others right, to work with us. And so to me, that was that sense of don't try to put on the mask of what you're supposed to be because you'll never live up to that. But present yourself for who you are and. And hopefully it's a fit there. And if not, you do something else. So I, I don't know if that exactly asked the question, but that's, that's kind of what I thought through. When I got to NASA, the first two years, I was the quietest person you ever knew. Uh, and it was deliberate. Well, that changed. I had How learned if, if you back? don't say anything, if you don't say anything, people assume you know something, I thought. And then you have to change. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, you know what? We're going we're gonna to hop into a commercial break at this time, Ed. Um, Heather, when we come back, I'm really curious that if you were to build a model, um, what kind of model it would be? Because Ed would build uh, model rockets. That's all he's got. He's just got rockets all over his house. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what your story is. Be back in two. We'll get back to the rest of the episode in just a moment. But first, a word from our presenting sponsor, TaleoConnects.com. As a manager, you know how important it is to solve issues right the first time. If you don't, you risk wasting precious time, money, and resources on things that could make the problem even worse. That is why at Taleo, we start by getting to the root cause of your specific problem, so that together, we can implement the solution that gets you the results you are looking for the first time. Taleo's unique approach to management consulting and resourcing is focused on building a community of experts that work together to help clients solve complex problems and find success in their businesses. We work collaboratively with you to implement the solution that will solve the root cause of your problem, not just the symptoms of that problem. From management consulting and project management to staff augmentation and resource recruitment, Taleo's trusted team can help you take your organization to the next level. If you're interested in learning more about how Taleo can help you overcome your organization's obstacles and take your business to the next level, visit TaleoConnects.com today. Okay, well, welcome back. So, Heather, what is the model that you would build? What is it? Hmm. That's interesting. That is like kind of thrown me a little bit. I'm trying to think. Uh, um, I think of my other passions in life is out being on the lake and on the water and all those sorts of things. So a model that I would uh, would love to be some sort of uh, boat that I can just enjoy. Like, and then I say whether it's a paddle boat or a motorboat, something like that. Those are the things I would be designing. Like what could go faster? What could be more efficient? What could, uh, you know, keep me upright and all that kind of stuff? Or what could be uh, environmentally friendly? Yes. That would be, well, we, we're always environmentally friendly. That's why um, I only buy bottles of wine instead of getting single glasses. So that's, that's, that's the <laughs> trick for me. Um, so I it's interesting. Well, I heard yeah, you get yeah. cases. Well, yeah. 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 I, that, that part is also true. So yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, so, so it's interesting how you described your model and how, um, you know, you needed the stability and to be upright. And, and it's funny how, when we explain things that matter to us, how much it really shows up in who we are as a person. And, um, 
And for you, Heather, you've, you play a lot of different roles. We talked a little bit about it earlier on, um, but, but uh, you're an athlete, uh, you're a spouse of, of an athlete, you're a mother of athletes, and then you're a coach of athletes. And, and I would really like um, for us to kind of peer into the life of Heather Nettowin in when you're playing these different roles, how do you show up differently in order to make sure that, that those around you are successful? I think uh, listening, that's uh, been the key to really showing up is really understanding individual differences. Um, and, uh, you know, from, you know, specifically my two girls are completely different individuals. Um, um, my do oldest daughter is uh, a field lacrosse player in Michigan, um, a, not a curler. And, uh, and she struggled a little bit with, you know, my parents are curlers, I should be curlers. And we're like, mm. no, hun, follow what your journey, what you love to do. And she is a contact player. And so um, she, you know, uh, followed her journey. And, you know, we're so proud of her because she found her passion and what makes her go right like it's awesome and then my youngest daughter um Alyssa is a curler um but we've had to deal with concussions when she was younger and so her journey has been a little bit differently because we couldn't go into contact sport even though she loved to do that so I think for me, my roles, uh, whether it's being a mom, a coach, or a wife, is understanding individual differences and what makes that person become the best that they can be. And then setting up the tools and the, the opportunities around them for them to excel. And I, you know, um, I, I am actually intrigued by figuring out how everyone is different. And when I was coaching uh, Team Canada, uh, we were in the Calgary bubble for um, oh, just over two months. And when you're together for that extended period of time, you really get to know each other from morning, afternoon, nights. What, you know, how do everyone operate? When do you like to speak? When not to speak? How do you, you know, are you visual? Are you this? And um, really understanding your athletes, but getting to know your athletes and their, what makes them, you know, why are they not performing? Well, did you know that their grandma passed away? Right? Did you know their background? And I think that's in life when I, um, as I manage the Sure Park Curling Club and I have, you know, 800 members at my club and I have, you know, at times over 100 volunteers. When the, you get to know them and they have that sense of belonging and they have that commitment, um, it's, it's really on a personal level and getting to know them and then, as I said, supplying them with the tools and the instruments to make them better is exceptional. Now, as a mom, I know nothing right? I have to, <laughs> I need to surround my daughters with the tools that they can, even though I might say something, it's somebody else needs to say it. So, you know, we have unbelievable mental trainers that the girls work with, that they feel safe around, they feel comfortable with, and they can excel. I'm wondering, do you, are you at the point where you enjoy the coaching and the development of others as much more than individually being an athlete or what's your thoughts on on that yeah great question i know it's extremely hard for me to be standing behind the bench watching the games unfold in front of me um you know the athlete in me I'm, i have to move i'm i want to see the lines i'm doing all this kind of stuff um but in my stage of life i have to say yes i enjoy to see the success of others um, right now because I know for myself what it takes to be elite and to be the Olympian and that's only the standard within myself that I enjoy to play and I just I can't commit that right now um, and so for me to go perform at 80% is unacceptable but for me to go and arrive as a coach and help athletes um, perform to their best potential I feel I've succeeded. So I am at that stage. Um, the thing about our sport though, um, I could go back to it. And I've had people say, oh, Heather, you show up at 80% and you're, you know, you're outplaying 80% of the field. Um, but 
the passion, the enjoyment that I get being there for my daughters secedes me being there as an athlete. Actually, I think, I think it's a, a really interesting observation. Um, first off, before I continue that, congratulations on being, you know, such a contributor, not only to, to your, your family and, and your children's future journeys, but also to uh, Team Canada. So thank you for that. Um, but I do think it's um, an interesting observation that we show up our best, we perform at our best when we're truly enjoying ourselves. So yes, you could go and you could be go back into curling um, and you would, you would probably be in the top percentile still, but it wouldn't be your best because you're not enjoying it to the same level of which you are as a coach and, you know, contributor in that regards. And I, and I, so I'm, I guess I'm putting it out there to challenge our, our audience and, and ourselves on, are we doing what we enjoy the most that produces our greatest success? So um, you can't do that every day. No, you can't do it every day. But are you doing it the majority of your day? Are you are you in the environment um, that that's going to make you the most successful? Because I see people grumpy all day long, and I think to myself, what a long, painful life that is. So how do I help them? You know, how do how do we um, give them the tools to to change that 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 moment, that time for them? Ed, over to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, well, you know, I mean, I was asked uh, by people uh, when I was at NASA, what does it take to work on this team? Well, who do you hire? And I always say, simply, very generally, I look for two things. One, people who are passionately crazy, who want to work here, want to do the work, are going to be excited about it, no matter what's going on. And second of all, somebody who has a capability. It doesn't have to be what they're, even interviewing for, but a capability that they can take to the next level. So, so I'm a believer in that whole kind of, uh, you know, the enthusiasm, you know, as essential. Now, I've also been told many times, how come you're smiling all the time? Or, or why are you happy? Or all these kinds of things. But I, I think that enthusiasm, you know, it is important because I think, um, I would always tell people when they start at NASA, Remember how you feel today on day one, which is usually they're thrilled, their parents are thrilled, everyone's thrilled, because you're going to end up working for a lot of people, or for some people you don't like, and who don't like you. You're going to have bad days, you're going to have a lot of, you know, it's not, you know, rainbows and dragons and all kinds of fun stuff happening. There's a lot of hard work, there's difficulties. So can you tap back into why I'm here? You know, there was a period of times when I was at NASA when I was saying, I got to I got to leave. But I gave myself the year and then things turned around. So I think the uh, the enjoyment is important because no matter what you do, you're going to be facing difficulties, challenges, problems, uh, heat seeking missiles. And at the core, if you appreciate what you're doing it and who you're doing it with and the fact you're contributing something to a community, uh, I think that makes it to me, that makes it work. Yeah. I mean, you're passionate all the time, or I've never seen you not passionate. So how do you get passionate? How do you stay there? People must get um, angry with you. How do you, how do you stay positive? I, I would yeah, it's a good question. I am, I am a glass half full in almost every situation. Um, yeah. And, and the only times in, in my opinion that I'm not able to get there is when the negativity starts to even consume my energy. Yeah. And so, so, so I always have to step away and be like, what is making me so unlaurel today? Unpo, right? Like what is, I what like is causing that? Unlaurel. Yeah. Unlaurel. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, for the most part is, is I've let other people's energy impact how I would normally show up. And I don't like that. I like, I like my positivity. I like the energy that I bring and contribute in, in a group setting for. Um, and, and I like to be impactful. And, and the second that those blockers show up, um, that's, that's where I, I feel like not only am I letting the group down, but I'm letting myself down. So, so I really do limit 
um, the interactions in those areas. And, and people would say, well, how can you do that? You know, you, you consult for a lot of organizations. You're right. Um, but I'm, I, I get to also choose who I do my work for. Um, and, and, I, and I now choose to be in environments that, that are, are positive and that they're, they've brought me in for the right reasons. Um, One and so of the that kind of. That... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just. I think that... Yeah, go ahead, Heather. Sorry. I was just going to add when your cup is, is not full, um, I think that's when self reflection and time to really. I think in society for sometimes we forget about me, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to go work out. I'm not going to read this book. I, I got too many things to do. But we need to reinvest in ourselves to be better for those that are around us. And sometimes, you know, guess what? The dishes don't get done because I went to yoga in the morning and took time to care for me. And your lunch isn't as good, good as it should be, but you're going to be okay today because mom took time for herself. And those self-reflection fill up your own cup times where, you know, personally with it's going for a walk with your dog, with your girlfriend, or, you know, those moments are critical for when you become that leader coming forward to wherever that environment is, because your cup comes in that little bit more full and that energy spills off into your surroundings and then it all raises up, right? So I know for myself personally, when we were in that bubble and you're, it was only the five of us, I went on a, a yoga um, challenge every day. I, I took a, the, the breathe yoga challenge with, you know, and it made me better. And then it made my teammates better. And it was the surrounding was better. So taking time for yourself when you feel like there's no time is the best time to do it. Yeah, that's, reacted, that's probably the well, greatest trigger you. to I'm sorry, I keep <laughs> stepping on both of you. I'm, I'm remembering though something that Jessica Fox who we spoke to recently said that I think is connected with I'm hearing what we're talking about is make sure I think it was the number one thing in the movie business that there's so much failure right I think 11 out of every 12 films will fail so what you have to do for a career you have to surround yourself with people who not only support you but support your ideas that they don't try to change it uh, they, they try to work with you in, in, in positive ways so um, Heather, when, when we uh, kind of do the reflection on, on what we've talked about here today, is there one pivotal moment, and, and I, I know there's probably many, but is there one or two that, that you look back upon at, with great pride and say, that, that gave me such joy? Um, are, do those, are, are there any spots that stick out for you? And yes, Ed, I'll be asking you the same question in a moment. I think for me, I've been a part of several successful teams along the way, um, you know, and that's wonderful. But I think my journey of friendships and understanding individual differences to how the four or the five or the core of us could respond together and make great things happen, um, whether that was within, you know, within sports or within at work, um, those that's to me is the pivotal thing is really surrounding myself with individuals that um, respect myself, the way I lead, and, um, and we just feed off of each other to make really great things happen. And um, for me, it was, I always want to know who will be there in the next 15 or 20 or 25 years around my campfire um, and who's going to be my long-term friendships that I want to spend my quality time with to make great things happen. That's a, it's, it's funny. My business partner often says, I enjoy all of our clients because I could go for, I, I would enjoy going for lunch with them any single time. And I think that's a pretty powerful statement because that means that we're, we're with the right clients and, and, and they're with the right consulting firm. Um, I think, I think it says a lot about about how we choose who we want to be successful around. So that's a great observation, Heather. Ed, what are your thoughts on, on your pivotal moments? Yeah, I mean, I realized I spent most of my life in the learning business. Uh, I, I was brought on board to teach, to consult, to work with individuals. And so I saw them, and, and at Columbia, I still do that. So I see them at time one, which is where they enter the program. And then you see them time two and, and beyond. 
And to me, there are two moments that I love. I love when you meet that first person and they're nervous, they're excited, they're anticipatory, um, they want so much. And then with many of these people, you see them at a point further down where they're doing such amazing things. And uh, for me, I, I feel a person about the pride that I was a part of it. And so that time one, time two is the, always the thing that sticks out. And I've seen, man, at NASA, it's, it, it was close to 40 years from when I started. So I've seen people who I start, started at the very beginning figuring things out. And now they're CEOs and they're executives and they're on to major things. And you, I remember both points. And uh, that to me is, uh, I think, makes things special. Absolutely. Speaking of, of special and, and, and how you, you and Heather have helped people throughout their careers and, and their futures, Heather, when you look at um, maybe somebody in our audience is a young athlete or has a young athlete that wants to perform at an Olympic level, doesn't matter the sport, what are your words of wisdom for them? What are the steps that you would recommend they take and, and help them in the, in the viewing of their journey? Um, I think you should, like I, I use the can I, constant and never ending improvement. So whether it, can I, I had can I was on my water bottle, it was on my journals, it was on it, just always keep improving. And if it's little increments and, and I, what, I read a ton of books on all these different topics and whether it's different athletes and such, but just keep your mind open to possibilities. Uh, understanding that it's going to be tough there's going to be several failures along the way but how are you going to respond the next day around you know with your with your peeps and just enjoy the process right like just embrace it and because uh, there's gonna be so many losses along the way or failures or whatever but just rise to it and get out of bed the next morning and say you know how do I make myself better? Let's improve. The little engine that could, right? Can I? Yes. That's that's amazing. I love that. I, I love, I love that. it. Have you written too? a book yeah. yet on that, or that would be a great title for your book? No. Uh, she, you know why she's laughing, Ed? You know why she's laughing is because I asked her, no. uh, you know, if she's written a book, and she said, no, that's not what I do. Um, I says, well, you don't have to be the one to do it, but it is who right. you are, right? And there's a difference yeah. between what I do versus who I am. And I think, Heather, yeah. the, the information that you can share and, and the opportunities that would help to contribute to people's future successes, that's all sitting right in front of Ed and I right now. So thank you. Um, I've got one more question for Heather, if I can do that. Do we have time? Or, or? Yes, one more question. So as an outstanding coach, uh, coaching is something that more and more is important for all organizations. What does it make you makes you a successful coach? What are the things, what is the thing that you think is most important for when it works well that you do for preparing yourself and for others? Um, I think listening uh, absolutely okay. to your athletes. I really do getting to know your athletes uh, and what makes them work. Um, and then obviously in, in the sporting world, uh, knowing, you know, uh, strategically uh, your oppositions and, and doing your homework. But uh, the biggest thing, as I'm, I'm just starting to become a coach. Like I, 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 I say that as a skip in my position, I think I was coaching my teammates along the way without the coach title um, role. Um, and, you know, that's like your quarterbacks, you're this or that on their team. You're, you're leading, you're coaching along the way and such. Um, but as I, you know, let go of my role as a player and, and strictly into a coach, um, it's just, again, learning what makes them learn. And, you know, I can say it one way to one way to athlete yeah. and it won't work for the other. And reframing it uh, visually stimulating, it's, it's just so interesting. And uh, spending time with your athletes, um, in my sport, I find it it's easier because there's four players. I can't imagine being a coach of a football team or a hockey team or a basketball team when there's so many more players coming in and out and everything. So um, 
um, that's I think that's the key is really learning your athletes on on the field or on the on the ice, but really what's happening behind the scenes is just as impactful as well um, to know so when they show up, why they showed up and how they showed up is the key to allowing me to get them to get to the next step. Yeah, and you know we hear we hear a lot about um, listening. And so I always enjoy that, you know, it's important to listen, but it's just as important to observe. So I heard you say, like, I heard you say listening, but yet a lot of the things you were talking about is observing, right? Like you're showing, you're showing that you're paying attention to the person and, and their behaviors, their characteristics, what drives them. And it isn't, you know, you know, Bob can say, well, I listened the entire time and they never said that once. You're right. They didn't. But how was their body language? What did their face look like? Uh, all of those things really, really do impact the discussion. And, and I heard you talk about that in, in full, in full view for sure. Um, yeah. So we do have one last question for you, which is, is at the end of the day, what is, what is your super power? You know, what is it that makes you special, makes Heather Nedowin the fantastic woman that we've been able to talk with for the last 45 minutes? And how do you water that power? How do you water that, that, that capability? Um, I'm a multitasker. Um, <laughs> and I think that that can be good and bad. Uh, but, um, you know, being able as a mother, as a coach, uh, you know, working and all this sorts of stuff, uh, being able to manage the house is really the family is very important to me. So multitasking <laughs> is key and um, uh, to that. And just again, I, I think I'm always striving to be better and recognizing that, you know, um, in each of my roles that I, I hope to, st uh, you know, you hope to strive for excellence all the time, but um, just always learning. Um, and always looking for uh, mentors that can help me and seeking support when my cup isn't full and, and being, you know, self-awareness self about it. So those are a lot of things uh, there, but uh, I think the key to that is, uh, you know, just being okay with who I am in my shell. Well, for sure, um, and for sure that, that uh, that's a, an easy one for me to connect with. Um, because I often uh, will have to re-energize my, my cup um, and, and I have to be really comfortable in, in who I am because I'm a lot of personality for a lot of people. A girlfriend actually, Ed, you'll love it, um, maybe I'll put it on our next podcast, she gave me this shirt that says, I'm not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's you're not. Good. I'm not That's for good. everybody, um, yeah. and I'm I'm really okay with that, right? Like yeah. I am, I am hot damn okay with that. Um, and yeah. so, Heather, I really value that that you know that you you can be really open and and upfront that you have to take time for yourself, and you have to be very self aware when when you're not when you're not doing your best, that it's still okay that you're not doing your best, but you need your recharge, right? That's kind of what I heard you say there. Yeah. yeah. Ed, this I has love been a, the, a great uh, again, episode. I go back yeah. to, I go back to can I, I think that says it all, you know, uh, you know, constant and never ending improvement. To me, that's the goal. I mean, I think, and again, I think the best performers, the best leaders, the best teams, uh, the best athletes, um, they don't expect things to to just magically happen or to be perfect. Uh, but they're looking to, to continuously get better, to learn, to improve. Uh, we didn't get what we wanted this year. We start again next year. And how do you take it that level? And uh, I, uh, you know, to me, I think that sounds like what you bring as a coach, as a leader, uh, and, and as a mother, right? As you, you want people to be able to deal with the winds, uh, but be prepared to, to know that uh, you have to shift and adapt and move forward. Never ending progress. From, from now on, Ed, every time we have a conversation, I'm going to say, can I? And I'm going to say, don't be unlaurel. <laughs> oh, that's don't a good answer. Don't be or do be unlaurel. I like it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's, I like that, actually. Yeah. Don't be yeah. unlaurel. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to manage that going forward. So, so for sure. me, um, a couple of things that I've learned from the podcast, uh, just, just for, 
for, I try to do it, but I don't think um, it's always as prevalent as it could be, which is, I'm going to, you know, I always tell others, give yourself a little bit of grace here. Um, but I forget to give that to myself in some situations where, where I'm like, wow, I, I really missed the mark on that one. Um, and I, and I think that, that maybe I should start wearing my shirt a little more often that says I'm not for everybody because then the grace, it just shows up. It just shows up. So, uh, so that kind of, that kind of excites me to, um, to kind of give, allow myself to, to be okay in that environment for sure. Um, Ed, any, any, any last thoughts that you have out, outside of, can I? Yeah, I think one of the things that was interesting is the conversation I think has been about working with others, collaborating, being part of a team and the listening that goes with that. And, um, I do a lot of work on the future of work. And what I think we're at is where we're going is that need for collaboration and listening. 10 years ago, the leadership models, and I think the coaching models was that you have the expertise you told people. And that doesn't work anymore. Uh, and uh, that to me is the biggest shift. You have to be able to embrace, to work with people where they at, where they're located, uh, the different contexts. And so I, I think that's what I've gotten heavily out of today's uh, discussion with, with Heather is being a coach who goes where the people are and working with them as opposed to forcing them into a certain direction that we think is right. It, it's, um, it's really interesting that you say that, um, that that model doesn't work anymore, and yet it's prevalent every single yeah. day, Ed. Um, and, and I, I, I want to scream it from the rooftops. Directing people and telling them what to do is not going to make them do it better. Please, no. I repeat it. I'll repeat it over and over and over again. You, you, you're never going to be successful as a leader and as a contributor if that happens. Ever. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't, know, I don't know why people can't see that. Because that was the model for the previous hundred years. But, but, I mean, you, you learn certain things. We, we teach. I mean, we're in the project management business. For decades, we've taught project managers your number one thing is to control things, control people, control what they say. So now you're telling people in a changing dynamic world that you have to do it a different way. It's hard to do things differently. I think that's what it comes down to. But. And, and I just wanted to, um, uh, Heather, let you know that Ed has a book coming out in August called uh, The Smart Mission, and it's all about teams and, and, and the people side of things. So um, it will be coming out August 2nd, and we will be sending you a copy of that book. Um, awesome. Just to thank you for contributing and participating on our, our podcast today, because it, uh, it really was a true enjoyable experience for us. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to do that and uh, join you guys today. Yeah, thank you so much, Heather. Very impressive. Yeah. Take care, Heather. It was a pleasure, and I know we'll be having you back. Thanks for listening to the Mission Driven Leader Podcast, presented by TaleoConnects.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to the show. Production of the podcast is by At Heart Creative and can be found at atheartcreative.com.